I'm Felina Jean, and this is Black Broads Abroad. I'm an international woman of leisure who said peace out to the United States in 2011, and I have not looked back except at this ass, honey. Since then, I've lived on four continents with travel to over 40 countries. Along my journey, I've come to know some very compelling black women from all over the world who also said fuck you to their comfort zones. I created this podcast to inspire black women in the diaspora to take risks and live their very best lives. Philadelphia native Chanel Andrews is an attorney based in Paris, France, where she teaches law at Pantheon Assas. Prior to moving to France, she served as assistant counsel in the governor's office of general counsel in Pennsylvania. Her legal expertise includes administrative law, comparative international law, and constitutional law. Chanel's courses at Pantheon Assas teach French students the foundational principles of the American government and legal systems. She also assists European students with navigating the admissions process to enroll in LLM programs in American law schools and assists European attorneys with administrative guidance and test-taking strategies for American bar exams. In her spare time, she enjoys traveling with her husband and son and has recently launched a brand new podcast entitled La French Connect. Welcome, Chanel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I have to give just the backstory of how we came into one another's orbit recently. So a couple of weeks ago, I was moderating a a panel on Clubhouse for aspiring expats and Chanel was in the audience and she sent me this lovely message afterward and we connected on being two hood chicks, if you will, (laughs) that have defied all statistical data professionally and otherwise. And one of the things you shared in your message with me was that there's a certain type of person who decides to move abroad and hood chicks like us are at the bottom of that list. So from South Central to Southwest uh, Philadelphia, here we are. We connected on that. (laughs) So I'm glad (laughs) to have you on my show. (laughs) Thank you so much. So firstly, you're in Paris, as I mentioned. How have things been for you during the pandemic? Uh, It's been tough. Um, You know, France and other European countries, they take uh, the restrictions very serious. Uh, Right now we're on a 6 p.m. curfew. And I mean, it's very adhered to. So at 6 p.m., everyone is in the house. Uh, There's a possibility if you would to be, if you were to be outside, you know, that you might run into some police officers. It, it just kind of feels real martial law-ish. So it, it's been tough. Uh, I'm not really used to, um, you know, having to stay in a house for a year. I guess none of us were, but it has been especially tough being here because the, the restrictions are very strict. I mentioned in your bio, you know, you have this illustrious career that you've had, but can you take us back? What was your childhood like growing up in Philly and how did it prepare you for this unusual professional and like expat journey that you've embarked upon? Uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I would say Philly prepared me in terms of making me uh, streetwise and have an ability to you know, defend myself and, um, you know, just be independent anywhere. I know people talk about New York, you know, there's a saying, if you can make it in New York, you could make it anywhere. 
I mean, I feel that same way about Philly. If you can make it in Philly, you can make it anywhere. And when I say make it, I mean uh, professionally, but also if you can literally survive. Right now, when I look at the news at home, uh, what is it? It's it's mid-March right now. And um, already I feel like uh, over at least 100 people have been shot. Maybe even half of those people have been killed. Wow. And them are women as well. So the fact that I was able to survive and get out of there, it, it definitely um, prepared me for the rest of the world. Yeah, I concur. I feel the same way about being brought up in South Central. Like, yeah. <laughs> you are well prepared <laughs> to do anything, anywhere. So, so you started your career as an attorney in Philadelphia and you rose to the ranks of working as assistant counsel in the governor's office. How and when did you make the transition to practicing and teaching law at the most prestigious university in Paris? Uh, well, actually, you know what? Believe it or not, uh, my job as attorney in the governor's office, that was my first legal job. Um, I was lucky to get that job. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of left in the beginning of my career. Um, I, I was happy with being an attorney and the work, uh, it was satisfying to an extent, but uh, ever since I came abroad for the first time in 2012, I kind of had that wanderlust bug in me and that's just a hard feeling to shake. And then I was also in an international long distance relationship with my now husband. And I, I guess love got the best of me. And so I was filling my career, but I'm like, I need to get to my man and I need to see the rest of the world. So uh, I'm gonna get my experience. And uh, the, first, the first chance I can get to come to Paris, I'm out. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, so actually that actually leads me to my next question because we kind of had a conversation offline about marrying and dating African men mm -hmm. um, from this video <laughs> that somebody <laughs> posted on Instagram. And the lady was like, you know, Black men, Black American men be like, I'm not paying for all that. <laughs> Old girl was like, well, let uh, get Tunde on the phone. <laughs> I guess I'll be sitting next to Wale. Somebody take me to Ola. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Listen, it, there's a whole world of black men out here uh, on Clubhouse. There's been a lot of uh, talks or, or uh, rooms centered around interracial dating, which is cool. I mean, that's what you want to do. That's how you feel. Love is love. But uh, there's specifically been talks stating that black women or specifically black American women need to divest from black men. And it's coming from a perspective of anti-black American men because you know they feel like black American men have this specific culture that's problematic. And whether that's true or not, that doesn't mean you have to divest completely from black men. I mean, there's a whole continent of black men called Africa, right. <laughs> uh, the second largest uh, amount of black men outside of Africa is not even in America or Europe or nowhere. It's in Brazil. Brazil. I, yeah. I mean, come on. If you you don't have to just. Uh, like jump the fence, you can still stay over here, you know, stay on the <laughs> black team, but just get you one with an accent. That's all. <laughs> right. One with an accent. You know, Afro-European men are my favorite. Absolute oh, yeah. favorite. Oh, goodness. Absolute. 
school favorites. So I'm glad you I'm glad you I'm glad you said that, because sometimes I think that black women have this debilitating devotion to black American men that is not reciprocated. So it's a world of uh, it's so many men to choose from out here. Please don't be limiting yourself out here, please. So how did you meet your husband? Uh, I actually met him uh, when I was doing a study abroad in Europe in 2012. I was actually uh, studying in Spain and I, I took a weekend trip to Paris and this was when um, the Watch the Throne CD was out. And so they actually had the Watch the Throne show uh, in Paris. And I thought, I was like, yo, how cool would it be to hear niggas in Paris in Paris? So I came here to the show and um, I was actually by myself. And after the show, I was just chilling at the let out, uh, recording, just taking it all in because it was an amazing show. and. It was my first time in Paris and I was enjoying it myself. So I'm like outside recording, just, just filming the, the atmosphere. And he like hops in my camera, like, yo, you know, I'm a real nigga in Paris. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> and then like the rest is history. It sounds so cheesy, but I swear that's really what happened. And I still have the moment we met on camera from that night. But I, I promised I would never show anyone because we both look crazy. <laughs> but I do have that moment on, on tape. So that's how we met. And uh, I, I never imagined this, that we would end up falling in love and I would move here. At first, it was just like, oh, I, I met this really cool guy in Paris. Um, we still talk or we're, we're, we stand in contact with each other. Uh, but I, I didn't expect it to be this, but that's what it turned out to be. <laughs> I ended up moving That's there. beautiful. <laughs> I was at that same concert. We oh, mobbed really? out there like, we mobbed out there like probably like 20 deep from all over. Oh, like I we have like to hear it. We have- <laughs> <laughs> we have to see, we have to be niggas in Paris in Paris. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> that show That's was definitely legendary. legendary. And they did the they did it like they did the song like twelve times. times. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's still in the Guinness World Book of Records for a uh, number of times the song played at a concert. That was one of the best concerts I ever been to. Ever. For real. Ever. <laughs> ever. ever. <laughs> That's so dope. That's where you met your husband. (laughs) Okay. I have a question about hair, actually, because (laughs) I had an ethnic hair hair care company some years ago, and it catered to Black women that lack access to stylists and ethnic hair care products overseas. Personally, I think um, in Europe, like London has the best hairstylists and like they're more plentiful and on par with our standards. And your hair is slayed, I might say, but... (laughs) <laughs> but was it difficult finding a hairstylist in Paris? It was so hard. And I mean, I'm still on that journey. I have a few people um, that are acceptable and, and good enough for, for different things. Like if I want to get my regular hair done, I have someone who can do that. If I want to get like a bomb weave, I have someone who do that. Braids, I have another person for that. But I mean... Paris is interesting because it's kind of like um, a, a beauty capital. You know, they have Fashion Week, uh, all of the um, the makeups and all of the skincare products are, are based here. 
But at the same time, that stuff is for uh, is not necessarily made for black women or is too expensive. And then when it comes to uh, to hair maintenance, I feel like a lot of the black women here, um, they just wear wigs and they don't really take care of their hair under it. So it's really hard to find a good salon or somebody who can um, take care of your regular hair. Uh, you really have to just hop around, go to different places for different things. And then when you do find someone that's good, it's going to be expensive. Everything here is really a la carte. Like I'm not used to having to pay for shampoo, conditioner in the style separately. I'm, I'm used to that being one service, but here is a la carte. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was surprised too, like when I was doing like market research in Paris. Um, just like going to the beauty supplies, like it's, it's a lot of black people in the city and there was still like right. a dearth of options available. I actually used to fly from when I lived in Qatar, I used to fly from Qatar to London sometimes to get my, to get my weave slay. Cause <laughs> it was like a four and a half hour flight. So I was like, okay, you know, let me, <laughs> let yeah. me do this. Cause it was, it was nobody to do my hair. Uh, so at least you, I, I noticed that you, um, you know, Sierra and you said Nicole Pembroke does your hair. Mm -hmm. I need to have her on the show. I really like Nicole. Definitely. Another American. I think she's from, she's from like Northern California, I believe. Yeah, I have to get her right. on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you see yourself ever moving back to the divided states? <laughs> First of all, I love that you call it the divided states. That's such an accurate <laughs> of what it really is. And uh, honestly, to be honest, uh, I was actually considering moving back uh, pre-pandemic, uh, but kind of like on um, to, to just come up real quick. One thing about America, uh, you know, it, it definitely has its downfalls, but that's the quickest place in the world to get money. I, I'm sorry. It is what it is. Like there's it's just so wide open. And Trump, you know, he was a horrible person, but he definitely was having that money flowing. <laughs> so I was actually thinking That's about a fact. <laughs> <laughs> the money was flowing. You got to get it how you live sometimes. So I was thinking about going there, um, you know, resuming my practice for a few years, uh, stacking some money, and my husband would have been able to, to do the same. Uh, so it was really just supposed to, I mean, we were considering going there for a few years, uh, stacking some bread and then uh, coming back here or doing whatever we wanted. It definitely wasn't supposed to be a long term move. But uh, post uh, pandemic, I'm like, yeah, I, I figured out a whole whole uh, other list of, of ways that I can make money. Uh, you know, the pandemic, it, it definitely opened up a lot of opportunities, especially remote, where it's like you can do stuff all over the world. Like the the whole remote thing, it used to be frowned upon, but now people want you to stay home. So it was like, all right, if I can get American money and I don't have to uh, live there, that's even better. Uh, and, and some people may not understand what I mean about getting American money. I want people to understand that uh, Europe and specifically France um, it has a, there's a, a really good quality of life here. Uh, you do get really good state sponsored healthcare. Uh, you can go to school for basically free. Uh, you get a lot of vacation days, but at the same time, this is a socialist country and, uh, the salaries aren't really high 
for people who are from here, it doesn't, it's nothing to you. You're used to that. You're not really expecting to make six figures until you're, you know, maybe, I guess, over 50 or something or 60, but somebody like What? Me, yeah. Are you serious? Listen, oh, it's, wow. It's, I would say, honestly, the average salary here for most people is going to be like in the, the 40s, maybe 50s, and, and that's going to be them doing well. This is like for for litigators and tenure no, 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 professionals. No, 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 not, not for not for attorneys. Not okay. not necessarily for attorneys. They they definitely make more. But I'm just saying, like the average salary for just like regular jobs or even mm. in uh, industries that you are expect to make a lot of money. And the bottom line is, France, you're not going to make as much as you would here uh, as you would in the states or you would make more in the States than you would here. That's a good point you mentioned about um, location independent income because you know a lot of people are looking to make this transition. And I think the easiest way obviously is to get recruited, um, but there's so many opportunities to make money remotely. I've secured so many bags doing remote work, especially like living in South Africa. So right. I get my standard remuneration package when I'm worth, but I bring that money here and I mean, it do somersaults and backflips. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, if, uh, if you're looking to embark upon this journey though, you should really look into, um, like how you can monetize your skill set and make money remotely because the opportunities are plentiful. So you mentioned that you had a son. How is parenting overseas? Uh, it is very interesting. Um, you know, this was this is my first child. Um, just the whole process of being pregnant here, uh, having my prenatal care here. Uh, doing research and, and learning about uh, the differences in the quality of care here versus in the States. Like in the States, uh, Black women are very um, at a high risk of, of dying during childbirth. And here, uh, it, the threat isn't as large. And one of the reasons is because they really provide a lot of prenatal care. Uh, you're even able to take off the of work um, you know, uh, sooner than you would in the States uh, while you're pregnant. So it, it's, it was definitely an interesting experience. And, and now with my, my son being uh, here, he's about to be two next month. Uh, I've learned so much about France uh, by being a mother to him and, um, you know, finding a nanny, uh, meeting other mothers. He just kind of opened up a whole new world to me that I guess I never would have known if it would have just been me and my husband. Like he's, uh, he's allowed me to meet people that I've never would have met before, but it's, it's a beautiful thing raising him here. We're raising him to be uh, bilingual right now. I speak to him in English. My husband speaks to him in French. Uh, my husband is Senegalese. He has his own African language, uh, Wolof. And so eventually he'll learn that as well. So I'm just so excited for him. The fact that he's grown up bilingual, uh, he'll be able to have multi-national uh, na nationalities. Uh, you know, he may not have been born into a millionaire family, but the gift of language and multiple passports. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, Girl, that's, that's a win ahead, right? <laughs> 
that's a wedding. Two valuable passports at that. Right. And he could probably get a third. So, yeah. <laughs> so did you obtain, um, did you obtain European citizenship? Uh, I haven't. Uh, you're actually eligible, I believe, after five years here. Um, and I, I will at some point. I just it. I've been doing other stuff. The French uh, immigration system is a trip or any French administrative system, for that matter, is a trip. The things that just seem so normal in the States are so easy to navigate here like the red tape is crazy and they'll give you a list of things that you need and it'll be a specific list and you'll cross off the list and give them everything they ask for and then they hit you with something else. So honestly, mm. I just been chilling with my little visa and as long as it works, I'll, I'll get the passport, right. you know, eventually. Uh, but no, I, I don't have my uh, French citizenship right now. That's actually my biggest um, regret from my first marriage that I didn't obtain um, German citizenship. But that's what okay. you do when you're young and dumb now, because that would have been a free wreck off the top now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So um, did you experience any culture shock or even reverse culture shock when you go back home? Uh, yeah, um, every day I... I, I, I come across a situation or I'm in a situation uh, where I'm like, this will never happen in the States. Uh, it might be good or bad. It might be something bad or it might be something good, but um, I, I'm definitely uh, uh, constantly aware of the differences. In terms of culture shock, to be honest, I feel like uh, it may be um, loneliness is a, a part of culture shock. But if anything, I probably experienced more difficulty uh, just, you know, being alone with my husband and not really having uh, a physical support system here outside of him, more so than a culture shock of, of just being in France in general. And when I go mm -hmm. back home, there's definitely reverse shock uh, for one, you know, if you ask me like, oh, you know, what's life like, what you've been up to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to really sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I'm just literally telling you what's up with me because you asked. I might be like, oh, you know, I just got back from San Tropez. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just was shopping at Chanel and uh, on Champs or, or something like that. But <laughs> I'm just really telling you what my life is like. I'm not bragging. <laughs> And right. it feels weird. It, it kind of feels like uh, survivor's remorse. Like I'm talking to people. Wow. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Such a good way to put it. Yeah. It feels wow. like I can't really uh, be honest. Like I have to kind of hide uh, my joy or my, um, uh, yeah, it's like I got to hide my joy or something because I don't want to feel like, uh, I'm making somebody else feel bad about their situation. That's what it, yeah. That's the best way I can that's really a, put it. That's a very good point. So it kind of, uh, it leads me to this question. So before, during um, the time that you've embarked upon this journey, did you get any like pushback from your family about your choice? And did, well, obviously didn't impact your decision, but... What was the response like when you were like, deuces, I'm moving to Paris? 
Uh, I think uh, on one hand, it was uh, surprising because, or it was more so surprising, surprising to them uh, the time period that I chose because I had just really kind of uh, started to flourish in my career uh, and obtain everything that I wanted in, in terms of being an attorney. Uh, and I decided to leave at that moment, that was probably shocking to them. And I got some pushback in that regard, uh, but they know me, they know that I'm very independent and strong-willed. And so if there was anyone who would make this move out of my family, it would be me. Uh, and, and then that might've also been shocking um, that I, I came here to be with my husband. People were wondering like, oh, what's going on with her and this, this long distance relationship? Like, who is this African guy? And you know, uh, back home, they're gonna say, be careful, watch out for them foreigners. They just want a green card. And I'm like, how you know I don't want a he green card? A- <laughs> I'm hey, the one green card, it's me. <laughs> and you know what? You mitigate so many risks when you actually date people who have uh, valuable passports. He got a French passport. So <laughs> it's not like, it's not like a huge come up. You don't have to really think about those things as much. <laughs> yeah but I mean he he's Senegalese though he um he was born in Senegal he came over here he's been in Paris for like 20 years but he's Senegalese first and foremost yeah he's Senegalese French but to him he he definitely gonna claim Senegal right so what's the um what's the biggest lesson that you've learned about stepping outside of your comfort zone uh, I, I guess maybe I would say, um, you have to, uh, make the best out of it and to be quite honest. So, and this actually picks up on what I was just saying about the fact that I left, uh, early in my career at a good point. Uh, I honestly, I do struggle often or from time to time with thinking like, damn, did I make the right decision? Uh, I see my friends back home, people I went to law school with or other attorneys I know, and they're killing it. They're doing the type of cases that I would love to to be on, doing the work I would love to do. And I, I sometimes I think about it like, damn, you know, I, I gave that up. But at the same time, um, I accept the decision that I made and I decided to make the, the best of this decision. Uh, I went to law school specifically to do civil rights law because you know I, I realized how messed up the system was and stacked against blacks and I wanted to be a part of um, combating that uh, and but overall really my love it, it came from my love of black people and that was the whole purpose of me going to law school was to help my people the way I see it now I, and because I, I left the states and I, I left that specific journey I can still uh, share my love and show my love to black people, but instead of, you know, beating at a system that I don't think I can really change necessarily anyway, I can help us from, help us here. Uh, My new goal is to really help connect blacks all over the world, whether you're in the States, whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Africa, Uh, we need to find some means of communication. So that's what I'm really focused on now. It's my same passion. It's just like a different journey. So I, I definitely recommend people to step outside of their comfort zone 
and if they start getting second uh, thoughts or they feel like they make a mistake, just think about where you at and uh, pick an opportunity at that at that location because you can't go backwards. You can only go forward. And so, you know, there's there's always a different way to make a change. And that's just what I'm focused on right now. That's, um, that's a very good point. So what advice do you have for Black women who are thinking about embarking upon this journey, especially, you know, Black women, as you mentioned in, in the wonderful uh, message that you sent me, like, that are not traditionally, you know, uh, what's the, what am I looking for? Yeah, Black women that, like, you know, have untraditional paths. Uh-huh. What advice do you have for them about moving overseas? Uh, my advice, honestly, is you're actually the best type of person to make this journey. Uh, people like us who had to find alternative means uh, to, to achieve what we achieved in the States, you now have a, a skill set that's going to set you apart from everybody else wherever you go. Uh, if we could figure out how to navigate from South Central to, you know, uh, another part of the U.S. by surviving, by obtaining education, by becoming uh, gainfully employed, and, and you see what that done for you. Like you've ended up in Qatar, uh, you are you're currently in South Africa, and that's you're, you've got to this point from uh, the the skills you obtain in South Central and from having to have your back against the wall and, and fighting back. Uh, so, you know, just the same is for me or the same for others from other backgrounds, the same as ours, I, I think is actually an advantage. And I would encourage us to make these journeys. And it doesn't even have to be all fancy. People think that you know, you, you have to move to move across the, the country or to, across the world. You have to be doing something fly or it doesn't count. Listen, you could be average anywhere in the world. <laughs> you can be average where you're from <laughs> or you can be average in Dubai. It is the same or it's not really the same, but it, it, it it's the same in terms of the effort you have to put in. But now that's you're true. Different in return. Because you see these people living abroad and they try to act like, oh, my life is so fabulous. You see these fabulous pictures. I mean, sometimes it's like that, but it doesn't doesn't have to be this whole big thing, this whole fake Emily in Paris thing. You can just thrive and survive and, and, and live your life. Right. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, life happens everywhere and it's, it's not all roses all the time. Um, right. <laughs> influencers will, you know, in- influencers often paint a picture that is not entirely accurate of, of what the experience is because life happens everywhere. Right. So uh, what's next for Chanel and where can people keep up with your journey on social media? Uh, what's next for me is I'm going to launch a podcast um Hopefully next month. I've, I've been working a lot on it, uh, but I haven't really figured out the launch date. But uh, hopefully next month I'm launching my podcast. It's called La French Connect. And as I mentioned, I intend on uh, connecting Blacks 
all over the world. And really what I'm going to do with the podcast is tell you the stories of what's happening with us here. Uh, It's going to be largely based in France, but I will travel out to Europe and and talk to us all over over here. And I just want to let you know and, and let the people know, you know, what it's like to be Black in France, what it's like to be uh, black in Germany, um, whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, shoot, I'm gonna be talking to the strippers. <laughs> you know, you ever wonder what it's like to be a, I love a that. from Paris? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, I have somebody on here to tell you. So that's what you can expect next from me. Uh, that's gonna be my little side passion project. I'll still continue teaching uh, in I'll, I have lots of content so you can follow me on this journey. Uh, I can be followed on Instagram at nelly.esq, N-E-L-L-Y dot E-S-Q. Uh, so that's a good way to reach me. And I'm also on Twitter, uh, Nelly underscore E-S-Q. And Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, Clubhouse. So my full name on Clubhouse, Chanel Andrews. Thank you so much for your time, Chanel. No problem. Shout out to our Patreon members for your support. If you too are interested in joining the Black Broads Abroad movement, you can follow us on social media and that's B-L-A-C-K-B-R-O-A-D-S. That's on Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to become a supporter on Patreon, you can do so on patreon.com backslash Black Broads Abroad.